Welcome to episode 23 of the ATL Podcast. Man, it finally went down. After weeks and months of rumors and speculation, James Harden has finally been traded to the Brooklyn Nets in a four-team blockbuster deal. The Nets are sending out Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, three unprotected first-round picks, four unprotected first-round swaps, Victor Oladipo now plays for the Houston Rockets, Karis LeVert joins the red-hot Indiana Pacers, Jared Allen and Torian Prince joins the Sexland backcourt in Cleveland. And to break this all down with me on this beautiful Sunday morning, joined by my friend and co-host Snav. What's going on, baby? Whew. A lot going on, man. A lot going on. Before we get into how the NBA is just a complete circus, we got bigger things to address. Primarily your birthday, man. Happy birthday. How's it going? Thanks, bro. Thanks. Uh, it's going good. I feel old. How old? Uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's too old. It's too old for my liking. I'm getting, you know, made fun of by my little brother, my little sister, family and friends. You know, I'm getting mad old. So the only thing I have left is this podcast, you know, so rather uh, rather do it here with you. Enjoy this Sunday morning and, you know, let's let's just talk raps and talk NBA and talk Houston and everything else. Absolutely. I mean, Let's celebrate your birthday by talking about probably one of the biggest acquisitions in the last decade. Probably one of the hottest trades in the last decade. So let's do it. Yeah, so like I said, the Brooklyn Nets acquired James Harden, joining Kevin Durant and the missing Kyrie Irving um, with Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, that whole squad there. Just give me your thoughts on the trade itself. What does this do for Brooklyn? Um... In the short term, and what does it do for them, you know, with their future, kind of losing some of their depth, but getting a top three NBA player um, currently in the league? Yeah, I mean, let's start by just talking about the trade. Um, I'll tell you what I think, then I want to hear what you think, because um, I felt like it was bound to happen. You know, this was inevitable. If it wasn't going to be Brooklyn, it was going. It wasn't going to be. If it wasn't going to be Brooklyn, it was going to be Philly. Yeah. Um, and I think Brooklyn was the only team that could take on this risk. And what I mean by that is, so you, if you're wondering why it's a risk, if you're an outside perspective team, I mean, you've watched from the outside looking in for eight years, you saw the Houston Rockets bend over backwards for their superstar. Um, and it still couldn't make him happy. Mm-hmm. Even though he was the one that always crumbled down the stretch in very crucial playoff games. Um, to me, this outcome was going to happen, whether it was Philly or Brooklyn. Um but I feel like he could have done what Victor Oladipo did. Go out with some integrity. Go out with um, some respect from his teammates and coaches. Uh, Victor Oladipo, he wanted to leave. He said that earlier in the season, but he patched it up by saying, you know, I wanted to stay in Indiana. Indiana is where I want to be. And inevitably, he ended up moving. And he's a free agent next year, so he can go wherever he wants to go at the end of the season. But Brooklyn is the only team that could have, did, could have done this. You know, let's use Toronto as a case study here. Um you know, you have to mortgage your future in order to acquire a guy like James Harden. And in the NBA, what we've noticed over the last couple of years is first-round picks don't really mean anything anymore. For a team like Toronto, um, they draft well late in the draft. You know, so for them to give up that many draft picks, it wouldn't make it wouldn't have made much sense. Um, but regardless, uh, what was I going to say? I'm just losing my thought here. Um, They had a lot of young talent to offer up. They could have offered the same amount of draft picks. But acquiring James Harden doesn't mean you're going to win a championship. No. So Toronto could have easily brought him in, mortgaged their future, not win a championship. He would have been disgruntled. He would have wanted to leave. So 
Brooklyn, I feel like, was the only team that could take on this risk because they have Kevin Durant. And for the first time, James Harden's going to be playing alongside someone that may, might be better than him. So they can hold, Brooklyn can hold him accountable by having Kevin Durant on the team. Yeah, what are your thoughts with just the whole Kyrie situation? Um, you know, he's, he's been out for personal reasons uh, in the last few games. He was caught at his sister's birthday party um, during that span. And, you know, he's going to be the, the third, uh, third star there. And, again, KD, um, Harden, they've played together in OKC much younger, but now they've, they're established players, MVPs. And now you have this disgruntled player who's kind of caused havoc everywhere he's went. In, in Cleveland, you know, he kind of demanded a trade out just because he didn't want to be a sidekick to LeBron. He had his own team in Boston, but kind of was overtaken by Tatum and Brown and then eventually um, Hayward. And now he's with Brooklyn and seems like he's, you know, doesn't have a great relationship with Steve Nash, kind of already starting to... Um, cause some troubles there like what are your thoughts with that dynamic of having him as a third star again he's a perennial all-star an a-plus superstar and probably one of the the you know most um aesthetically pleasing player to watch in all of basketball and probably one of the clutchest players too so how does he kind of fit into a team now with James Harden who's going to demand the ball someone who's leading the league in scoring for the last few years also led the league in assist and then you also have probably the best scorer of all time um, on that team. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. If we were having this conversation last week, and I know that we had talked about maybe talking about Kyrie on our next podcast last week, um, you know, Brooklyn was sort of cornered by his behavior. Um, you had Kevin Durant coming off of one of probably the worst basketball injury you could possibly have and playing like a complete stud. Yeah. And they looked like they were going to contend in the Eastern Conference. And most likely make it to the finals. But Kyrie disappeared off the face of the earth. So if you're the Brooklyn franchise last week, you know, your season is potentially in jeopardy because of his antics. Unprofessional antics. Um, But I like what Adrian Wojnarowski said earlier this week when he said, by acquiring James Harden, you know, they've they've kind of gained leverage over Kyrie. Like, okay, you want to behave like that? Mm. We can still contend, and we actually don't need you. Um, They can suspend him. They can trade him. And, you know, Kyrie was sort of, you know, exercising his power by behaving the way he did earlier this week, earlier this month, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he's currently behaving. But I think that by having James Harden now, they have some leverage over him. They can sort of put him in his place. I think he's going to acknowledge that he can't really behave that way anymore because, you know, they're going to win with or without him now. And case in point, yesterday... (laughs) <laughs> you know, they just, they just came out yeah. blazing. Um, I think with Kyrie now, the big thing is going to be, you know, last week he was the second best player on the team. Now he's the third best player on the team. And any big three, if you look in history, you know, the Miami Heat, Chris Bosh had to sacrifice. Yeah. Golden State Warriors, Klay Thompson had to sacrifice. Steph Curry had to sacrifice. He's coming mm-hmm. off of a back-to-back MVP year. Yeah. And... Um, you know, it's it's going to really depend on whether or not Kyrie Irving can take a step back. Because for him, you know, he's the third best player, but he can really coast and still drop 25 a game. Yeah. Just by letting those two guys do what they have to do. But it's going to be a matter of will he buy into that? For sure. For sure. Yeah, he's uh, 
like you said, he can drop 30 in a quarter without any effort and your team's down, you know, down by 20 to start the game and you have to try to contend with Harden and KD um, trying to get theirs as well, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how Steve Nash is able to juggle everything, juggle everything. It's very useful asset to have Mike D'Antoni as his assistant coach and I think that played a big part in Sean Marks and the Nets and their ownership team um, really going out and mortgaging their future for the next 10 years um, to acquire Harden even though you know they have an abundance of players who are offensively gifted uh, you bring in another guy that's probably one of the probably the most the best offensive player in the last five ten years yeah. right so you bring him into a team that's already just so offensively focused what does that do for their defense now you know they trade away Jared Allen who's probably their best interior post defender um, Torian Prince who again not a big name but at least he you know gave you solid minutes off the bench and gave you like good defensive um, schemes and strategies to like play within it so what does that do for the defense now do are they a team that's going to play like the the sons of the 2000s where they're just going to run and gun shoot and try to beat you 150 to 130 yeah no absolutely and that's that's one of the points I've, I've written down here was was it worth the risk um, they didn't just mortgage their future they mortgaged their depth um, if you want to talk about their future, like they've given up picks that are probably going to exceed some of these players' careers. You know, they're going to still be owing picks after maybe some of these players retire. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but uh, you know, yesterday was proof that they're going to click. They scored 122 points per game. I I was actually thinking like I think they'll average 120 a game, especially with Mike D'Antoni um, spearheading their offense. But one thing we know about Mike D'Antoni is he can score the shit out of the ball, but he hasn't won a championship. You know, and that's the that could very well be the trajectory of this team because they cannot defend. Um, Orlando scored 115 points per game yesterday. So if you're going to, you know, the formula might be you give up a lot of points, you get yourself into unnecessary close games, but you have three closers, so you're winning these 50-50 games, right? But I think when it comes down to playoff time, there's still some strong teams in the East. You know, you can't sleep on Milwaukee just because Brooklyn. Uh, acquired three superstars, and you know when the when the rotations get tighter, when the defenses get more specific, um, it's going to be interesting how this team pans out. And uh, Bill Simmons mentioned something that I think is very um, it's worth bringing up on this podcast is with their lack of depth now, Kevin Durant, who again, as we said earlier, is coming off one of the worst injuries you can have in basketball. He's going to have to guard the best player now, night in and night out. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of load to put on someone coming off an injury like his. For sure. So when we talk defense and talk big three, when you look at Boston, you know, they were anchored by KG. Even though with, with the Heat, uh, LeBron was playing his best defense during those years. Chris Bosh was that stretch four, that stretch five that was great defensively, and he sacrificed so much. And then even with um, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, KD with Golden State, they were a top two, top three defensive team every year when they won the championships, right? So how does this team look now, you know, with Harden's reputation as a poor defender, Kyrie, Kyrie's reputation as a poor defender, KD is, you know, he's always been a really good defender just with his length, his uh, mobility, but he's, I feel like he's, he may have lost a step just with the Achilles, like maybe, you know, a, a bit, but who else do they have on that team? Like an aging DeAndre Jordan, who's probably not as mobile, not as mobile as Jared Allen, 
who could you gonna kind of uh, contest shots out on the perimeter. So I'm just worried about what they're gonna do defensively. Yeah, again, when the playoffs hit, teams are scouting you. They know your the in, in and outs of your offense, and you have to slow it down. You can't be you know running and gunning the entire game, and you're putting a lot of minutes on KD and Kyrie, who you know had significant injuries in the last year and a half. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you know, like we've what like we've witnessed in the past. Let's say let's use the last eight years as our framework, and we've seen Miami, we've seen we've seen Golden State. When you build it, they'll come. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if after this year, PJ Tucker takes a veterans minimum. You know, David West did it with Golden State. Yeah. Mike Mike Miller, I believe, did it with with Miami, Miami. Where you know now these players will just come, they'll take less, and they'll chase rings. And I think that's going to be what you start seeing in Brooklyn. It tends to happen when when yeah. you yeah. know these these teams form. Yeah, like it's the that buyout market, kind of in the middle of the year when teams are looking to offload some of their contracts and guys are probably expiring, and there are probably going to be one or two solid dudes that will join them in the middle of the season and help them kind of build their depth. Because right now they have they have Joe Harris probably in the line in the starting lineup with DeAndre Jordan, those three guys, and then they have. Um, Timothy, uh, whatever the TLC, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Sorry. Um, they have Jeff Green, um, and then that's that's it, right? They have Bruce Bruce Brown, the guy from uh, Detroit, and they have um, uh, Landry Shamit. So those are like the four guys that are on their depth depth chart, and I don't think those guys will make that big of an impact. So it's all going to be on those big three guys. And where do you think, just with you know that? Those that starting five, those those bench guys. How do they stack up with the East now? Are they're definitely the clear favorites coming out of the East? But we still have Milwaukee playing very very well. Boston leading the Eastern Conference. They I know they've had three games this week where they had to be postponed because they didn't have enough players to um, to actually play play a game. But we have those two teams. Uh, the Heat still kind of. Uh, underperforming right now, but they're still again finalists from last year's uh, playoff run. So, where do you think they stack um, in the Eastern Conference right now? Well, right now they they arguably have two of the top five players in the league. So I think right then and there they probably stack up at the top, if not the second. I'd say I'd say they stack up at the top. You know, they have two unicorns on their team, and they have Kyrie Irving, who's probably a top fifteen player. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, because of their lack of defensive ability, I think they leave a window of opportunity for the other top three teams in the East, Milwaukee, Philly, and I'm going to say Indiana or Miami, kind of right beside each other, neck and neck, because I think what it becomes now is if you can hang with them points-wise, if you can score and you know you get it within a couple of possessions, it's anyone's game. And I think uh, defense wins championships, so you know take a team like Philadelphia – who has offensive firepower as well. Joel Embiid's playing out of his mind, mm-hmm. maybe an MVP-type season. Um, if they can get stops at the end, at the end of games, then I like their chances to take a team like Brooklyn down to the wire. I know Philly wasn't a part of this deal, but I kind of just want to quickly touch base on that team and kind of the, the opportunity that was lost uh, when they weren't able to trade for James Harden, you know the the perceived package for for them would have been Ben Simmons, 
probably Matisse Thibel and Tyrese Maxey, the, the rookie from Kentucky who's playing out of his mind right now and probably a few picks in there. So what are you what what are your thoughts with that team just staying staying put with what they have? You know, they they hired Doc Rivers, they had Daryl Morey. Uh, do you think there was some sort of um, did Fertitta not just you know for, or sorry Fertitta just not want to trade Harden away to the Seven Sixers because I felt like their deal was or their package was a little better. I'd rather have Ben Simmons you know be the focal point of my team. And, you know, kind of be that rebuild guy rather than Victor Oladipo and some of these swaps and picks that may not even be a top 10, top 15 picks in five, 10 years. Right. So, like, what are your thoughts on Philly staying pat on having their their young two guys being surrounded by Tobias Harris, uh, being surrounded by some of the, these younger guys? What are your thoughts on just uh, them just staying pat with what they're doing? Uh, so I see it in two ways. So first, I want to say. I think Philly dodged a bullet because, like I mentioned earlier, you know, James Harden has shown that when the going gets tough, he'll do one of two things. He will be a diva. He'll take possessions off. He'll come late to training camp. He'll completely dissociate himself with the rest of the team, force himself out of, force himself out of an organization. Or he's going to require that you bring in more talent. Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. And if it doesn't work, he's going to ask that you deploy that talent. So I think that Philly dodged a bullet because if things didn't work well with... I could see things not working well between him and Ben Simmons. They're both personalities. If their personalities clash, I could just see it being a complete disaster. And so I think in terms of the, the, the drama, they dodged that bullet. Second, for Houston, I don't think bringing in Ben Simmons would have been their best um, their best option because I think with what they've received, they have flexibility to design a team that mm-hmm. they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Victor Oladipo might not sign with them next year. He might go somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe they do a sign-in trade. But they, they got more flexibility with this composition of pieces than Ben Simmons, who's a very one-dimensional player, and you have to create a certain team around him. The only thing I would say with the Philly situation is Joel Embiid is probably looking the best he's ever looked, you know, to start the season. He's in shape. He looks motivated. And having Ben Simmons play alongside him, we've always known that that the fit has been great. You know, Ben Simmons still struggles to make or even attempt a three. And James Harden is basically the opposite offensive player to to Ben Simmons. You know, a guy that's willing to shoot the three. Um, willing to facilitate and probably one of the best ISO players of all time. So if I feel like if you had, you know, a pick and roll with Joel Embiid and James Harden, that's an unstoppable duel. See, the counter to that is if I was Philly, I'd be looking and I'd be looking at the nation's capital. Like if I was Philly, I'd be thinking Simmons for Beal because I just think that from a personality standpoint, Beal would be a much more compatible player with a guy like Joel Embiid. Where Joel Embiid, you know, the, the narrative with him has, has been his competitive level, his yeah. competition level. You know, is he going to buy in? Wake up, Joel Embiid. You know, <laughs> you got the talent. Yeah. Let's see it work. Yeah. Um, the same can be said with James Harden as time, at times. And, I, you know, if the two were to check out at the same time, it would be a complete disaster. Where Bradley Beal is probably playing also the best basketball of his career. And I think, you know, he's pro- it's probably there's probably going to be a time very soon where 
we're starting to talk about a change of scenery for him. And so, you know, I could just see Philly maybe looking that way. I think that that would be a better fit. My counter to your, to your counter is um, they have Doc Rivers now. And, you know, they had Brett Brown for, I think, six, seven years. And, you know, he was a guy that was part of uh, Greg, Greg Popovich's uh, coaching tree, a guy that, you know, was the Australian uh, national head coach and still a guy that hasn't really shown to be a winner. And Doc has, you know, he, he won in Boston. Um, he did enough uh, in, uh, in L.A., obviously never won a championship. But, you know, they had a really good team there, too. And they were always competitive year in, year out. And I think the kind of the resurgence of Joel Embiid can be uh, contributed to the fact that, you know, he's there. He's a hard-nosed coach, but he's also a guy that's going to stand up for his players. And I think that if he had James Harden, especially with Maury there too, uh, to be kind of that guy with a familiar face and um, get him uh, acclimated to, to the team, I think they would have been um, really, really hard team to beat, especially, again, with Tobias Harris in there with a lot of those young guys and just kind of where the, the East was. I think it was theirs for the taking. Uh, and now the Nets, you know, the Nets have James Harden now, and they're already good to start off with. And I think just Philly kind of, I felt like they let an opportunity really um, go there. And I just think that, uh, yeah, their opportunity now with those two guys, but now they have to play with, play against Giannis, Butler, um, KD, Kyrie, Harden. It's going to be tough to come out of these now. Absolutely. And, you know, any any team with James Harden is going to the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so you know, that's one thing that's for sure. But I think from a James Harden standpoint, the fit in Brooklyn is perfect for him because if there was any coach that could unlock his potential, it was Mike D'Antoni, right? And if you couldn't win in that environment in Houston, and if you couldn't you know, get past the semifinals in that environment, it's going to be hard to do that by yourself with any team and with any coach. Um, I think playing with Kevin Durant now takes a huge burden off his shoulders because he can drop a 35-point triple-double, but it's not going to be on him to take those last Mm -hmm. two or three shots in the game. And as much as you want to talk about his talent level, he's an automatic bucket. He's a top three generational offensive player of all time, perhaps. Um, he has a really hard time scoring in the clutch, especially when the game matters most in the playoffs. And I think that this is just the perfect fit for him because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant have shown that they can do it time and time again. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I, I, I get the point we were saying there because he, has, he hasn't been able to show, to, to show that being the 1A guy that he's able to take a team to the finals. You know, he's always had, he's always had Chris Paul, Dwight Howard... Westbrook as his 1B, you know, the the second superstar, but there was never a player that was better than him uh, that he's played with. So I think KD will make his game a lot easier. You'll see him being, he's already super efficient, you know, just with the way he gets to the free throw line, the way his game um, is based off of like threes and getting to the basket. And I think he's going to be more efficient. Uh, he's probably going to have just a rejuvenated love for the game. You know, just from the press conference that he had, you know, a few days before the trade, kind of saying that Houston wasn't good enough and that the situation at hand wasn't repairable. Um, I think he'll just have a little uh, more joy 
and I think that's a big part in everything too. Now he's going to be um, back with an old friend and old teammate in KD, and um, I, I think that my like my favorites to come out of the East, and if they were to meet someone like the the Lakers or the Clippers, um, I think they have a fair chance of of winning it all. Uh, but you know, I think we've talked enough about the Nets. Let's just quickly go on, um, unless you have something else that you want to briefly mention. Well, the last thing I wanted to mention was my concern that we've gone we've gone back to a very predictable league. And one of the things that made me so excited about the NBA was Kawhi's. Dis- well, obviously, I didn't like that he decided to go to Toronto, but what he did by going to the Clippers and bringing Paul George with him was it balanced out the level of competition in the league, mm-hmm. and. You know, for the previous, like, look at the last five champions in the NBA. The Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, (laughs) uh, the Toronto Raptors, the the, the LA Lakers. So it was very, it was a very predictable league. You know, you would, you know, we would have this podcast and we'd talk about basketball news, but we always knew that the Golden State Warriors were going to the finals, you know, and it was likely that they were going to win the championship. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with Miami Heat, you know, the, the Spurs stole a couple, but you knew in the back of your head that they were going to the finals. And I hope that we haven't gone back to that league because um, what's going to start happening, I'm, ju- I'm just fearing that the trend in the NBA is going to be the big three again, where teams need that third superstar, where I felt like we sort of gravitated away from that. Yeah. It was getting a lot more competitive. It was becoming a lot more unpredictable. And I feel like with this, with this three-headed monster in, in Brooklyn, we're going to start seeing that trend back in action. Yeah, I wonder if this is the domino effect um, because yeah, the last few like two years, it's been like a two-star league, where it's AD, LeBron. It was um, I, like even with with uh, Kawhi coming into Toronto, they, we didn't really have a second star. I like you could say Lowry and Siakam were you know those complimentary pieces, but that team itself was just a solid, solid team. <coughs> and then last year, we had you know it would have been the Bucks. It could have been the Bucks coming out of the the East or Boston. But then we eventually had the Heat coming out there. And, again, they had Jimmy Butler. Um, Bam would probably be the second star. But then they had those complimentary pieces like Tyler Hero and uh, Duncan Robinson, those young guys. And it, it might just be this trigger that, you know, someone might be calling up Masai saying, hey, what's up, man? We're looking to grab Lowry now as your, our third piece, someone like the Denver Nuggets or someone who's, you know, still trying to compete like even well, the Philadelphia. Clippers. Yeah, Clippers, Clippers. Philadelphia looking to just stack on their team because now, you know, you have those three guys in uh, in Brooklyn. It's going to be really, really tough to beat them in a playoff series, in a seven-game playoff series. So uh, you make a really, really good point there. Um, just wanted to quickly roll over to Houston. You know, like what's going on with them now? You know, they have this plethora of draft picks and swaps now, but they also still have a pretty solid team. You know, probably like a middle of the pack team with John Wall, um, Christian Woods, who's playing really well. So have Eric Gordon, um, Boogie Cousins. Again, I'm not sure where he's going to, um, how his season is going to turn out, but they still have like a decent team. Like where do you think their future and the direction of that team is going to go? Well, I feel like there's a certain sense of shock that happens after losing a player like James Harden for an organization. So I think they're actually in a very good position to just Evaluate, bring Victor Oladipo in. He's a great team guy. Uh, John Wall seems like he's you know really taken a turn in terms of his leadership. Mm-hmm. Boogie Cousins, he he wants to get back playing, get back to playing in a high level. And a bright spot for Houston is Christian Wood. Yeah, I mean came out of nowhere. 
and could be a perennial all-star if this isn't a fluke <laughs> performance by yeah. him, right? Yeah. So for them now, maybe you just accept the fact that you went through this disastrous breakup with your with your long-term girlfriend <laughs> and you just sort of see where this rides out. I think yeah. that's what Houston has to do. I still think they have a core. I still think that, you know, they could potentially be a play-in tournament team. Yep. And uh, and that's that's pretty impressive after losing a guy like like Harden, right? Yeah, they... Um, Silas I, will have a chance to coach again. Yeah. You know, like I think this is really good because they were walking on eggshells up until this point. They can relax, their coach can coach, their players can play, and there's no expectation anymore. Yeah, they, they've just, you know, catered to Harden for the last 10 years. Like you mentioned earlier, brought in Dwight Howard, brought in Chris Paul, brought in Russell Westbrook, and that never, you know, um, turned into a finals appearance or um, championship. So it's probably best for them to just kind of have a clean slate now. Um, that Russell Westbrook trade, um, when they acquired him, really, really fucked them up because they, they traded away Chris Paul and, I believe, like two first-round picks and swaps as well. So I think they were looking to recuperate a lot of that in this Brooklyn deal. Uh, just to at least have some sort of future because they were in the hole um, if they weren't able to acquire some draft assets. Uh, but, you know, you, as you know, like with with basketball and just with the basketball culture, if they can con- just continue making the playoffs and start seeing where the NBA landscape, you know, goes in the next few years and they have all these draft assets now, they they could just make a play. They could just retool. You know they're not rebuilding. They're not. Pro- they're not going to get a number one pick. They're not going to get a top ten pick just because of how competitive they'll be, and of you know the the draft uh, draft picks from the Nets aren't going to be you know a top ten, top fifteen pick, probably not for another five six years. If you know, it, even if it does come to that, right? So um, they they're still like a you know decently big market. Um, if you know Victor Oladipo resigns with them. Again, he's an all-NBA player a few years back before his gruesome injury, right? So if they're able to, you know, be smart with their assets, be smart with, you know, um, playing the free agency pool, um, seeing if they're able to draft well, they could retool and, you know, hit on one guy, one or two guys, and, you know, still be a competitive top four, top five team in the in the West within a year or two. Yeah, they're not, they're not you know, it's not as devastating as when Vince left the Raptors. <laughs> Oh man, that that took our franchise back five, six years. They're in a really good <laughs> spot, all things considering. Yeah, yeah, and John Wall looks pretty good. You know, it's still early, still early on, but he looks really good. And again, Christian Woods looks looks great. And I know he's kind of under under the radar player um, with uh, Detroit last year, and he's been you know bounced back and forth from overseas to the G League. So he's finally found a home, and we'll see how his production. Um, if it's if his production will stay where it's at without James Harden, kind of giving giving him three four easy buckets every night, um, so that's gonna be an interesting thing to uh, to watch out for. And let's quickly just um, talk about Indiana and Cleveland. You know, Indiana got Karis Avert, and I know there was news that um, he's gonna be out indefinitely because he has some sort of mass um, in his kidneys during the. Uh, um, during the examination, during uh, before the trade, so I think they were compensated with like a second round pick and some extra cash because he's going to be out for some time, right? So where do you see him fitting in with 
with Indiana now that you know they're trading away Victor Oladipo, basically swapping those two guys, and him coming into a team now led by um, Nick Borkin, and um, they have really solid young players. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Miles Turner, uh, Sabonis. So they seem like a really seems like a really good fit for him. Some guy that you can just plug in there, and he'll give you try to give you 16, 18, 20 points per game, uh, but not having to be that number one, number two guy. He can just fit right in there. So what are your thoughts on him uh, joining the Indiana Pacers? Well, if I was grading, if I was grading the return, um, I'd give them an A+. Plus because I think Indiana just got a younger Victor Oladipo mm-hmm. for, an older mm-hmm. Oladipo, for an older Victor Oladipo. Yeah. Um, DeMontis Sabonis is playing out of his mind. 22 points, 13 rebounds a game, five, six assists. Crazy. Um, probably playing the best basketball, and he's always going to be underrated because he's an unassuming-looking basketball player. Yeah. Um, he's playing out of his mind. Malcolm Brogdon is a stud. And Nate Bjorken is literally taking that Raptors offensive system um, and just using it with better talent. You know, the, the Indiana Pacers are a scary team. They play great team ball, and I think Karis LeVert is an unbelievable acquisition because he's 26 years old. Victor, Victor Oladipo is 30. Yeah. Um, and Victor Oladipo is playing for a contract mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Karis LeVert can just, it's, they can just plug him into that system. And I'm just very impressed by the fact that they were able to uh, swoop in and, uh, and get that. I'm also very impressed by Cleveland's ability to swoop in out of nowhere yeah. and just get Jared Allen. Jared Allen would have been the perfect player for the Raptors. Absolutely. He would have been a great, perfect young... what did they young, give up? They gave up a, like a late first-round pick um, that they got from Milwaukee. So that's going to be like the 30th pick, 29th pick in the in next next year's draft. And the, yeah, they gave up nothing. It's almost like all these guys were congregating and like discussing you know the trade and everything and... Cleveland just swooped in the back and tapped J- Jared Allen on the shoulder and was like, hey, come with me. <laughs> I I really like Jared Allen. I've always liked his game. Um, and, you know, just with the way the league is now, I think his value isn't probably where it should be just because everyone is looking to, you know, have a bay that can shoot the three. And um, just it's such a – it's a – guard-oriented league, but he's like a traditional big, but he plays with so much effort. He's a great defender, and now they have kind of a glut of um, of centers. They have JaVale McGee, they have Andre Drummond, so honestly, if the Raptors, like I, th- I think I messaged you guys um, in our group chat, but I would love to for the Raptors to uh, take a swing at Andre Drummond and see, you know, if they're not going to punt the season, like grab this guy who's, you know, a 20-20 machine. You know, I think he had a 30 and 20 game like last night. A guy that's gonna, you know, get off, get it uh, after on the boards, play better than Baines or Len, and just kind of give the Raptors some some sort of uh, big man energy to go along with Chris Boucher, right? So um, he's on his last year of his contract, playing for another contract. So if the Raptors are able to swoop in there, you know, give them like late round first round pick or a few second round picks and see where that goes. And still salvage some of the season with you know Kyle Lowry in there. Um, I'd be interested to see if they if they do that if they do something like that because right now the Raptors are kind of in the middle. They're four and eight. Um, Lowry's playing really well. Siakam's very inconsistent. Freddie's playing great. Um, Chris Boucher is playing out of his goddamn mind. I've never I don't even know who this guy is. This guy 
was a G League player a few years back, a guy that was never able to play more than 10, 15 minutes off the bench. Always a great 36 um, minute, like a uh, per 36 minute guy, but never played enough minutes to really show how productive he could be. And, you know, they're, yeah, they're in the middle of the pack. Uh, not e- sorry, not even in the middle of the pack. They're out of the playoff race. But you, we will know that they know if they have this uh, current team assembled that they will be, you know, probably a top seven, top eight team when it's all said and done. I feel like they've kind of fallen behind a little too far to to be a top four, top five team. Yeah, they got a big decision to make. They got to decide yeah. um, if they if they, if it's rebuild. They got to get rid of Kyle Lowry. They got to send him to a contender. Get some pieces. Um, it's good for them. It's good for him. Mm-hmm. He's thirty five exactly. years old. He he deserves it. Yeah. Um, or they make a swing at like you're saying a guy like Andre Drummond, and they think they can get you know mid mid pack in the East, and you know they, Toronto could very well because of their continuity and the way that they're coached. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but or you could call it wishful thinking, but they could very well be a team that maybe they do a couple trades this season. Um, they start building momentum towards the end, and they're that team that you don't want to play in the first round of the playoffs. I could see Toronto very well being that team just based off the way they're coached and the continuity they've had over the years. Oh, for sure. For sure. We, we, we saw that with even last year's roster where they had really n- no one thought they could even compete with Boston. Like myself, I thought Boston was just such a complete team. They had so much more talent, and the Raptors were able to take them to seven, right? So you definitely don't want to see the Raptors in the playoffs. Um, I'm just going to be curious to see what Masai does now because – they're really good, but they're also n- not good enough to to compete, especially with the the landscape of the East now. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. You know, they they won two games against Charlotte. I'm not sure how much um, he put into that, um, but you know, they're four and eight now. Uh, probably make the playoffs, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we should. We we don't want to end it on the wraps because <laughs> there's so much more exciting things to talk about. Um, no, it, it was great discussing. It was great discussing this trade. I think the last thing I want to talk about is just. I hope people don't forget the level of destruction uh, James Harden brought on the Houston Rockets for the first for the first quarter of this season, um, because you know now he's played the way that he's played. Um, you know now he's on uh, talking to the media. I'm a hooper. I'm this. I'm that. It's all smiles now in Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny, and this is player empowerment. It's just very funny how everyone is going to forget about everything that he did over the last three weeks and the level of destruction that he brought to that organization, that coaching staff, and all the players that he was playing with at that time. And, you know, it's just sad that he got exactly what he wanted. It's sad that now he's right in contention for mm-hmm. a title. Mm-hmm. And he's going, to get a Rachel's, he's going to get a one-on-one interview with Rachel Nichols where he gets to just say everything that he wants to say and it, everything gets swept under the rug. So makes me just appreciate guys like LeBron James who um, just treat the game with respect. And, you know, when the going gets tough, they're still going to show up. You know, they're still going to show up. And it would just be really sad if uh, if this behavior got rewarded in the form of a championship. So I'm just going to announce on this podcast right now that if it gets down to Lakers Nets, despise <laughs> my, despise my uh, disdain for the Lakers, I'm all in. On, Le- on LeBron's legacy. Well, you're really warming up to LeBron now, eh? One of, uh, that's that's hilarious. But yeah, you've always been a detractor of kind of the recent, uh, the modern uh, player player movement, player empowerment movement. And I, I totally get it, man. Like, these guys, 
you know, they get paid millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to to play basketball. Obviously, they deal with the pressure of the media, pressure of the public, but they play, they're playing a game and they're getting paid so much money. And, you know, these, the, these fan bases are so invested. Like, just think of all the fans in Houston that, you know, just invested the last 10 years of their lives, you know, watching, cheering for this guy. And he basically just stabbed them in the back um, after they gave him everything. They gave him everything on a silver platter. They gave him all the players that he wanted. They gave him the co- the best coach they could have asked for, the best GM he could have asked for. He wasn't able to perform when when they needed him to, you know, in the fourth quarter of a clutch uh, clutch playoff series. How how, how's it, how does a team go 0 for 27 against the Golden State Warriors when you need to win that game to make the finals and to probably win the and the, probably win to win the championship, right? So yeah. it's on him. They, they gave him everything. I know Shaq on. TNT there and like basically just blasted him saying basically everything that we're saying where hey man they gave you everything and he even said he gave everything to the to the Houston Rockets but just the way everything has like fallen apart the way with the press conference the way he came you know came to camp out of shape then he went into COVID protocol because he was partying out somewhere at a strip club in Atlanta or Las Vegas like you know I've lost track of all the locations that you know he's been he's been spotted at so this guy kind of just was babied for so long and just didn't know how to react when shit hit the fan and now he's given everything that he's ever wanted so it's kind of just crazy for me for you for everyone that we know that you know loves watching basketball and loves uh analyzing analyzing the game and just being a fan it's just crazy to see that these guys who make hundreds of millions of dollars endorsements with Adidas endorsements with every big company is able to just cry his way out of a city that's given everything and now he's in probably the best spot that you could have asked for as a as an NBA player. Yeah, you know, he uh, he didn't handle it the right way. He didn't go out with grace in Houston, but he got exactly what he wanted. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else you want to discuss before we, you know, enjoy the rest of our weekend? No, enjoy your birthday, man. Thanks, man. Enjoy your birthday. Let's in, let's enjoy the next week of basketball. I'm super excited to to see these Brooklyn Nets. Uh, They're gonna be just fun to watch. Dominate. They're the gonna be fun to watch. You, you can't deny that you're gonna be tuning in onto League Pass to watch the Brooklyn Nets now. So um, definitely exciting. You know, just another another day in the life of an NBA fan. The the NBA never stops. Again, just the undisputed best entertaining league in the entire world so again thank you for listening um thank you for the birthday wishes you know kind of try to enjoy uh the day with you know friends and family so thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you guys later absolutely do take care